Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the, uh-oh, I, Mario to my Luigi. It's uh, Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Wait, the Mario Mario to your Luigi, Luigi Mario? Correct. And I did that because you're shorter and I'm taller, and if I jumped, I would float in the air for a little bit longer. That's true. Both <laughs> of those are facts. But you are the protagonist. And our very, and our very own King Bowser. That's right. Eric Ronneback. Eric, how you doing? Oh man, the King Bowser that uh is pretty video game accurate with slick back hair and a suit. Did you would you rather have had King Bowser or Donkey Kong? Uh King Bowser. King Bowser. Right. All right, King I was 50 I was 50 50 on that. So I like I, the uh, King Bowser because every once in a while we have to do team ups with Eric. So like mm-hmm. you know, we could be frenemies. <laughs> my my son is playing the Mario and Luigi Superstars game, and yeah, Bowser's driving him around in his big space or airship or whatever. So the Seahawks did something this week though. That they have not done since 2020, 2012. Okay, this has not happened in a long time. We not only participated in day one of free agency, but we made a splashy day one signing. Lot, do you guys know who our splashy day one signing was in 2012? Do you guys remember? Eric, do you remember? It's a uh, long time ago, going the way back machine, 11 years. Was it Matt Flynn? Was it not Matt Flynn? It was Sidney Rice. Thought I was wrong uh, on that. Uh, so, who has like the fourth longest arms for an NFL wide receiver in league history or something like that? It's weird. <laughs> okay, they, 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 I, I think Cindy Rice is always kind of underrated. He was he was actually pretty good. It just hurt a little more than we the one liked. player to point at me during the Seahawks victory parade. Ooh. All right, yeah, Sidney Rice. So we made a big signing though. We went and got a defensive tackle, Draymond Jones. So before we get into the nitty gritty of the scouting, um, Eric, when you when you heard we signed one of the big names of free agency, the kind of name that that we had kind of warned on this podcast, don't get don't get any ideas in your head. The Seahawks don't usually go for these guys. They haven't gone for one of these guys since 2012. <laughs> Sydney Rice. It's been a while since we participated in early free agency and made a splash. And here they are signing one of the biggest names in free agency. What did you think? I was stoked. I mean, this is the guy that we didn't think we'd sign. <laughs> it was it yeah. was going to be a the guy that can play the position that we like when we switched defenses to three four. You needed a nose tackle. We don't really have a mm-hmm. nose tackle, and there's only like it, three good nose tackles in the NFL. You need penetrating. You need penetrating three techniques, and you need you need a bunch of different guys. And I will say this: the the Seahawks offseason so far has led me to believe that we might be mixing up our fronts quite a bit. Yeah, <laughs> uh, they have they have the ability to shuffle the deck in ways that most teams don't. Now we went from defensive line as a problem to like, hey, we can really do a lot of interesting things with this depth on defensive line in a week, which is uh, which is quite the week to have. Now, Kevin, when you watch Draymond Jones, when you throw on the Draymond Jones tape, what do you notice? Uh, so originally when I saw that number come out before I saw what the contract was, I was a little worried because when I looked at what he is and what he does, I'm like, okay, so kind of a penetrating three tech in a four, three front, but I don't know how much we're going to play four three. Like he gets good pressure and he makes like big splash plays in the run game. He's one of those guys who get a lot of tackles for loss, but like he also won't make the tackle that you want him to make at times in the run game. And so I was kind of worried it was going to be a problematic signing because I wasn't sure we were going to be able to put pieces around him. And I saw that contract and I was like, man, if we put a couple guys that can really help with the run around him, I think that he can be a big time player because he is still growing into what his career is going to look like. He's still, I think he'll be 27 next season. Mm -hmm. And what, and he's, he's a, 
if he stays healthy the whole season, he's a 10 sack interior defensive line guy. That's just not very common in the league at all. So having a guy like that is a big signing. It's a big sign. There's no two ways about it. And the contract is structured really nicely so that if he really flames out this year, we're really, we can get out with just 10 million in dead cap. And then, you know, the third year of his contract is not totally out of bounds if he plays up to the top level that he can play to. So it's overall, I think very, very good contract. Um, Another nice piece of work by John Schneider uh, and Pete Carroll to get a guy in here who who really fills a role. Like we needed, we need interior pass rush. We had none of it last year. All of our pass rush was coming from the outside. It was coming from uh, Taylor. It was coming from Nwosu. Now we have a guy in the middle that the other teams absolutely have to account for on every single play, and that's just uh, just special. It's just special to have guys like that. And like like you said, Kevin is he plays three tech, which can work in the in the three four or the or the four three fronts. So whatever front we do decide to play, um, he's gonna he's gonna fit in nicely. I do think we see a lot of like those twenty twenty uh, like bear fronts on first down. You know the the five one kind of kind of yeah, look. or like the two down linemen with four guys standing up because mm-hmm. Draymond Jones did some stand up work for uh, for the Broncos, and you would think at his size that would be a problem, but he actually moves really well even from a two point stance. So just we don't all, put him out into coverage. And you'd think, okay, we spent we spent big, we spent we spent up uh now. No, the the funniest thing was just, uh, I think Diggs added him and he said no dropping into coverage or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Come said, on, he's a he's a D tackle, you know there's some silly coverage play coming. Like, ah, we'll just send him out and cover the tight end fifty yards. Yeah, and I think I think Draymond doesn't want to do that though, because a agent uh or our recruiter Quandre was telling him he wouldn't have to. That that he had, Quandre's like, we got two more signings left and then I'm done. That's that's what he said or something like that. Because he's been on Twitter just just gassing all these guys up. It's been so funny. Um, all right, we 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 thought though, yeah, right. We make the one big signing. That's it. Free agency's over. But Gino's um, amazing contract. His wonderful, beautiful, uh, team friendly contract has made it so that this team can could go out and make so many more signings. So let's start with the one that we probably needed the most. We needed a linebacker. We're going into next season with uh, Jordan Brooks is, is hurt. Uh, Jordan Brooks. He's Brooks healing. Will be, He's healing. He he might, probably won't be back to start the season. Might not be back for most of the season. Uh, we lost Cody Barton to the Manders. Eric, how did that make you feel losing I, him to the Commies? I'm so upset that I've become the face of. Oh no, <laughs> Cody Cody Barton's not here anymore. Is Eric going to be okay? What guys don't? This is a this is a lesson for everyone. When you're watching the preseason and you like someone who, you know, has never done anything before, say nothing. Don't worry about being first in line. Just say nothing. And then when they become good, which never happens, then just talk about how you always talked about them. I always loved him. Always rated him. Yeah, exactly. I always loved this Because when this guy has, like, an amazing preseason and you're like, wow, he and Ben Burkirvin show a lot of promise – then a lot of people are like, oh, you're the idiotic white linebacker guy. People <laughs> walking down the street, people are telling me that. It's terrible. So now we we have finally do have a, a non-John Radigan, non-Nick Ballore <laughs> linebacker on the roster. We signed for a top for former top 10 pick, right? Devin Bush uh, from the from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Devin Bush, a real kind of prove-it deal for Devin Bush. Uh, he's coming in with something to prove, I think. He... Started his career really good. Uh, looked like he was going to be an ascending rookie. Tore his ACL. Was not good. Lost his job. Had trouble getting back on the field. But looked good in the limited time he got last year. Uh, Ken, what's your excitement level for the old, the old Devin Bush signing? Um, 
It's uh, what's the excitement level when you find five dollars in a jacket that you pulled out of the closet? High, like eight, like exactly. <laughs> but it's like that kind of eight. It's like an eight where you're like, it's an eight just because it's so unexpected. Um, he's a really sure tackler, which is a nice, refreshing uh, changeover at linebacker. He offers some pass rush upside. There's questions about his coverage ability, and there's questions about his run defense. Um, he'd benefit from a front that keeps him clean. So you can see what he does. Um, I think he comes in and he's basically like if Cody Barton could tackle better. So in that way, I kind of can already see his fit in the defense and feel pretty good about it. If he ends up outplaying that, he could end up being a lot better. Mm-hmm. Now, Eric, I know you love a good reunion. And the Seahawks. Whoa, wait, reun- wait, wait, wait. I, I don't want to go to this reunion yet. I want, I want to stick on Devin Bush. Oh, okay. I want to add on to what Kevin said, because I feel like he's he's better than he's certainly better than Barton. I think if you stuck him on last year's team, he would be an upgrade, not a huge upgrade, but at least a plus given the player we're going to go into and our whatever draft additions we have Draymond signing. I feel like this has a chance to make Devin look better than he is. Is that fair? Yeah, Yeah. I think I think like. We're going to play with one linebacker on the field quite a lot, probably like 40% of the snaps. Last year, we played 61% of snaps. Is that because we're only going to have two? <laughs> it's possible. But, but last year, we played 61% of snaps with two linebackers on the field uh, and 100% of snaps with at least one. So so the, the idea here would be that you know 40% of the time about we're having only one linebacker on the field, that linebacker is going to be Devin Bush at first. He's going to have a chance to win that second linebacker job cleanly. He'll be competing against a rookie, most likely. Uh, they probably won't bring in any other serious competition for him unless Bobby Wagner decides I'll take three million to just stay home. Yep. Uh, so, so that that's the uh, that's kind of where we're at. Is, is Devin Bush will be the starter and he'll be competing against a rookie, and then we'll see what happens. Uh, who who is the guy when when Jordan comes back? You know, who's the guy who who compliments him? Does Devin win the job or does the rookie win the job? Uh, it'll be fun to watch, and I do think. At this point, we can pretty clearly say that this team's going to play with three safeties on the field quite a lot. So instead of doing my transition I was going to do before, let's skip to the safety. Uh, I'm going to do this transition. Since we're going to play with three safeties on the field a lot, we need more safeties. And the Seahawks went and got a good one. Uh, They went and got from the New York football giants, a guy who plays in the slot a little bit, a guy who played safety a little bit, uh, Julian Love. So Kevin, uh, did you watch any Julian Love uh, to prepare for, for, for this moment? Uh, I did watch a little bit and I went back and read my scouting report because he's a player I remembered liking coming out of Notre Dame. And also he's pretty fresh in my mind because I picked him up for my fantasy team last year um, Mm. because I wanted a guy that I thought was going to rack up tackling numbers. And Julian Love led the Giants in tackles. He had 124 tackles last year. Nice. Um, He is kind of like Quandre where he doesn't have like blazing uh, 40 time but he has really good change of direction and his on-field speed matches his track speed really well. So he can play some single high. He's good in a two high shell, which we play a lot of. Um, He can come down and play uh, in the box, especially as like a slot safety. So he's pretty versatile. Um, He was kind of a Swiss army knife player for Notre Dame in college. And he did a little bit of that last year for the giants and really excelled in that role. He's um, where Ryan Neal's uh, bigger and can play that more like safety linebacker hybrid and is a logical replacement for Jamal for that reason. Um, Love comes in and he's more that like safety corner hybrid. 
and can do a lot more quandary things. So I like him both as somebody who can step into a role that we didn't have a backup for and somebody who adds at other positions on the field. Okay, there I'm going to I think this is a good time to rip this bandaid off the Eric, there are prominent members of the Seahawks online community who think that there's a chance that Jamal Adams will be cut post June 1st. Uh, do you do you think that's something that could be in the cards for the Seahawks or is that just uh... I have not started this. I know you think it's me. I don't know. That's why you're bringing it up. Uh, I've always been anti-Jamal Adams, uh, even when I liked him. I, I think, if anything, this gives us depth at safety, but it sends a clear message that, no, Jamal Adams will not be cut this year, but wait until next year on that. <laughs> yeah, but I think that you're probably... He's got he's to he's gotta show up this year, for sure. He I has agree. to show up this year, but uh, you know we only have... I don't want to say that we have... You know, oh yeah, four linebackers on the roster. You have two, and Jordan Brooks is injured. He's not going to play till October at the very earliest. Uh, that's the word, and probably a little later than that. Um, so you have two linebackers on the roster. Jamal Adams will be playing linebacker for us. You're yeah, not going to move him into safety. He is playing front Adam, five. Adams and Neil are definitely going to spend their life in the box, which is good because Adams can affect the game so much from the box yeah. in a way that he can't when he plays high His safety. first year here, he was, he was like this guy that you wanted to move around, but every time you sent him into his pass rush, he was a threat. And I think that's what you're going to have to do here. Yeah, I, I dig it. So yeah, I don't think there's been much of a chance we end up cutting Adams. I think that that's like pretty, pretty wild. That's, that'd be wildly aggressive to me to, to cut Adams, especially because the upside of a guy you're going to get for what eight million in cap savings is, um, who are you going to who are you going to get? That's always my question with that. It's like, what are you going to go get? You're going to there's not that there's not a guy that's eight million dollars. And you would have seen that cut by now. I think that's yeah. they would well, have failed. They have to they have to wait because of the cap implication. So mm. that if they de- post him, if they designate him for cut late enough, then it splits the cap hit between this year and next year. And then we actually uh, have cap savings this year. It's just, I just don't think they'll do it. The Seahawks don't do it often. Um, anyway, it's just not a strategy that they use. And I don't think this is a case where they're going to, they're going to use it. They're going to ride it out one more year with Jamal, see how it goes. And then after this year, make a decision. And yeah. I think, I think a great. restructure would be much more likely than a cut this year. After next season, we'll talk. Yeah. Uh, J- Jaron Reed, Eric, I, back to my reunions here. Yes. Jaron Reed is back, dude. Yeah. Uh, you, did you? Were, are you like me? Did you think this bridge was kind of burned the way he left last time? <laughs> yeah, when he said Jaron Reed, uh, again, it's someone at work being like, Jaron Reed. I was like, yeah, what about him? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> he signed. I was like, really? I thought he was kind of mad because didn't they want him to take... I know they, they wanted, wanted to restructure, but I think it was a significant pay cut. That they wanted him to re. They wanted him to restructure, and yeah, he was going to gain guarantees but lose total money. Yes. And he was like, he was like no, I'm not That's about that life. Uh, and... And then and they proceeded to sign for even less money because he realized the market on him wasn't that good. Yeah. yeah. And there was no market for him. So he signed a small ish deal with Kansas city. Then he signed a slightly better one year deal with the Packers. And then he finally got, this is the best deal he's gotten. And it's not like a great expensive deal or anything, but now he is here back home with the Seahawks, a great depth signing. Uh, yeah. Just, it's, don't, I don't want to say like things weren't the same after he left because it's not like, you know, Sharon Reed was like, Cliff Averill level of disruption moving around or anything, um, Michael Bennett. But I like Jaron Reed, and I think, again, with this defense and how it looks right now, plus whoever we add in the draft, 
Jeremy has a chance to have kind of a uh, a renaissance year. Jaron Reed was super solid. He always did stuff. Like he wasn't like the best at anything, but he was always like getting a sack here and there, make stuff in a run play, always in the right spot. It seemed like like it just Jaron Reed's just a good solid football player, and he's not old, so it's he not like he's out of bed and gets thirty pressures. Like yeah, that's the thing. He's not yeah. washed, so yeah, it's nice. It's a nice compliment to Dewan Jones. Uh, I mean, it just it, it all fit Draymond Jones. Sorry, sorry. I was looking at that my, draft coverage early. Looking, looking at my, uh, <laughs> my my draft stuff. But yeah. yeah, again, sure tackler, which is a problem on the interior last year. He can get run stops. He could play zero tech on uh, pass rushing downs and line up over the center, which gives us more versatility on our down front. Like, that's good. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's go to the, one of the biggest holes on the roster coming into the season was center. And the Seahawks went made it made an effort here to to fill that role. A guy who played guard last year, not super well, but played center the year before very well. Was two years ago was ninth in pass block win rate. Which I'll be honest, I think these win rate stats are kind of corny. Do you guys know how they calculate the those win rate stats, ESPN and Next Gen stats? Yes, they (laughs) they use uh, the position of the players on the field. And then if like they're standing in the right spot after a certain amount of time, then that that's a win. And so you'll see guys all the time, you know, so it's like if a guy's standing so to for the, center, it's especially weird because you get a lot of like combo blocks and stuff. And so right. it's like, um, sure. I, I, I don't know, it, but you can throw on the tape. He's pretty, he's a pretty good center and not like great. You know, he's, he's, but he's better than what we've had in the recent past. And he provides a nice safe floor. If we cannot find, the guy in the draft we want at the position in the draft we want. Um, it'll be nice to have center not be just a, a, a problem this year. He's also not an embarrassment at guard. Like if he ends up being our guard center backup guy, he is a massive improvement over Kyle Fuller in that regard because he can actually play both positions at an NFL level. Yeah. All right. And then Eric, last but not least, this is for you. The hose returns. Yeah. Drew Locke. The true reunion. Yeah. So Eric, does this signal to you? Are the Seahawks thinking they might not get a quarterback in this draft if they if they're bringing back both Locke and Geno? Um, I don't know if it's a signal, but I think that's fair to say you're going to want an actual backup quarterback. I this is in the NFL. You're paying you're paying a little more, you know, sometimes at a position just to get the position in, and I feel like this is the overpay of the off season. Like I don't I don't want to pay Drew Locke four million dollars, but I don't. <laughs> I don't really know who else you could get for cheaper. You know, I I know that he knows our system. He does. I feel like this is just a a nice showing for Drew Locke. Hey, I know you were traded here and you had a chance to start, and Gino beat you. You're now Matt Flynn. We're going to sign you to a one year deal just to make you feel good. Is that too stupid to say? Yes, but it's where my brain's at. Also, for kind of going all in on this season, I want a backup quarterback where if Gino goes down, I think that they can still win more games than he loses. So that's kind of important because it does feel like we're we're making a significant push right now. To me, it doesn't signal to me that they're not going to draft a quarterback. It signals to me that they think the quarterback they might draft is risky, which says to me it's a signal, not no quarterback. It's a signal that they like Richardson. They want they want Richardson at five. 
I don't think they like I don't think anyone likes Levis. I'm starting to like <laughs> I'm starting to think Levis might be just like sliding. He might be like the end of the first round guy. Which is fine. I don't like Levis. If we either. got him at twenty, I would be very fine with that. Yeah, Levis at twenty is actually pretty appealing. I think him, it does I, say that we were not any any quarterback we're drafting, which we will definitely draft a quarterback in one of those rounds, but there's no chance we want him to play. Yeah, I think we're either drafting like practice squad quarterback in round seven. Or we're drafting, uh, we're trying to get Richardson or, you know, Bryce Young if he falls. But that we, we got, we got to hope everyone hates short. There's like some short King erasure or something, something you know. Nathan some, over here trying to speak uh, toddy touchdowns in the seventh into uh, existence. Toddy touchdowns in the seventh would be fine with me, buddy. I just to put him <laughs> on the practice squad. He will be, he will light up the preseason. He'll be ever the apple of everyone's eye. Then we trade him for a first round, uh, second rounder in three years because <laughs> we, because Gino's still tearing it up. Um, all right. Apparently, there's still moves to make. So the Seahawks have said that they still have room to make some, a few moves. Uh, what do you want to see? What, what do you, what's left for you guys? What do you want? What moves do you want to see? For me, the running back room has been decimated. Homer went to the Bears. Penny went to the Eagles and dragged our strength and conditioning team on the way out. Said he had to play 17 games and he did, needed to go somewhere where he could do that. Pretty, pretty That's straight fair. arrow pointing. <laughs> Ivan right there. Um, so for me, it's like we got to get a running back. I don't care who it is. I'm going to throw a name out there that I think is going to make some people cringe. Someone might crash their car on I-5 right here when I say this. Um, Ezekiel Elliott is an excellent pass blocker, an excellent pass catcher. And he was, the like I think, number two in success rate on short, short yardage runs last year. Ezekiel Elliott has a third down back change of pace back for Ken Walker. I at the right price, you know, 4 million ish. I'm super into it. There's no I, way he takes that. No way. Why? I mean, what market is there out for him? Everyone's just saying he's washed. He's, he's absolutely not washed. This is like, this is like, um, for me, Ezekiel Elliott is the perfect use case of people who actually watch football and people who will watch fantasy football or like red zone. You know <laughs> what I mean? Because like this guy is a good football player still. Is he what he was when he led the league in rushing two years in a row? No, <laughs> no, he's not, not even, he's not even in that neighborhood anymore, but he still has juice to get short yardage runs. He's very smart on a football field. And he, even in college, he was what a premier pass blocker. So this guy is still a really good football player. And I think it's kind of a Seahawks thing to take a guy who people are trashing, people are downing, people are down on, and just give him a chance at redemption as our like third down change of pace goal line back. I, I don't know. I think it's a guy. It's a nice fit. It's kind of a pipe dream. You're right, Eric. Someone probably is going to give him $8 million to play football this year, but I'd be super into it, especially looking at like what Jamal Williams got. Um, I think that that kind of gives me an idea that Zeke might not be too far from that. You only, okay. You could see Jamal Williams is kind of lowballed by the lions and he signed for more Travis Homer, who I would have liked to have kept not at the salary he was signed at. Um, it's just that market. Yeah. I mean, Jamal Williams got what three twelve to go to New Orleans. Like I just don't. I think like that. That's a neighborhood that we could live in with, with, uh, with Ezekiel Elliott. I don't think it could be super far from that. And I would, I would be a hundred percent good with giving Zeke three twelve. That just seems very fair to me, especially because the first year we could we could give him like two million dollars, just go right up to like ten dollars in <laughs> this year's salary and all bonus or whatever. So anyway. Uh, Kevin, what's the position that you want to see us kind of take a stab at as we enter late, late free agency here? Uh, running back, we have DJ Dallas and Godwin Nigubike. So I'm okay with like drafting a guy there because Dallas can run block or can pass block and play that third down role. What I want is a zero tech. I want a nose tackle. 
I want Ashawn Robinson. I want to bring in a big guy to put in the middle that will stop the run. And that is what he does. He's been in the league for about 143 years. He's not even 30 years old. I'm not sure how that works. The guy bends time and space to stop the run. Super Bowl champion Ashawn Robinson, unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, I think as a as a as a zero tech, as a guy, he's huge. Six four, three thirty. Um, just a guy who takes up space and dominates in the run game. Definitely a guy who could fulfill a role for the Seattle Seahawks. And I do think nose tackle is a great call. Eric, is there a position you'd like to see us go find one more guy at? Since you uh, already spoke about running back, I would like to go with a wide receiver. I know that we're probably taking wide receiver in the draft. Uh, a nice, uh, healthy body that is bigger than D. Eskridge. Um, but I'd like it- to get a... A big slot. Yeah. Someone who's who's a big body, who's healthy, someone who's not too old. Tyler Lockett, man, you can't keep expecting him to perform at this level forever with his age. I mean, every year I'm just kind of like, oh, come on. Like, just hang on. Hang on, Tyler. Uh, so, yeah, having having a body in the draft is expected. But another veteran is, I think, honestly, yeah, something we can afford. I- Marquise Goodwin type, but not Marquise Goodwin. Yes. Like, um, bigger. So you want to see a big slot. Uh, not, I, not huge, but I mean, someone that can catch the ball. Because uh, let's face it, there's a lot of receivers out there who are receivers who can only hey, Eric, like, catch long bombs. You know who we could bring in via our connections at the Emerald Queen Casino? Oh, oh no. Macklemore? R&B legend <laughs> Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones. Uh, Honestly, Kevin, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Marvin yeah, Jones. Th- Marvin I, Jones. I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind it. Um, do you know who I don't want to get? Odell Beckham Jr. Absolutely I, not. He's the worst. Do, I wouldn't mind DJ Chark. I would love Adam Thielen. Actually, I know. Same. I'm going to do the same rant that I did with, with Ezekiel Elliott here. But It'll like, people, people act like Adam Thielen is washed. He's absolutely he is not, not washed. Those three guys you just mentioned, perfect, perfect choices. Um, Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry. I feel like that's an injury. Coming. How about how about how about Mecole Hardman? Uh, I mean, he's fast, but I feel like we've kind of been burned by that one. What did, I'd be okay with it. What do you just talk about? People Wait, who watch you fantasy wanna, football do you wanna, versus real football. Do, do you want to do you want a big guy, Eric? Uh, I mean, go ahead. Give me yeah, Mac sure. Mac Hollins. He's I big. like I like the other names. Mac Hollins. <laughs> Mac Hollins is huge. Yeah, he's huge. I mean, he's like 6'5", 230. After the draft, if he's sitting out there and you've got a few, you've got seven hundred grand that you can just be like, "Hey, Mac, come on in and compete." I think Have that's about right. So, okay, uh, let's get into the uh, the draft segment. We're gonna try to cover in twenty five minutes here. This is gonna be great. Uh, all of the offensive linemen. Not, not. We didn't separate out tackles because the Seahawks are pretty deep at tackle. But we were going to mention a bunch of tackles here. Why? Because for one big reason, the Rams. Something that they did very successfully was take mid-round tackles, turn them into interior offensive linemen, and uh, keep their kind of their wheel turning like that. Guys, tackle to guard conversions was a big part of the Rams being able to continue their success without having any first-round picks. Uh, to keep building. And so a tackle to guard conversion could be a thing that happens this year, whether we draft a tackle and turn him into a guard or we draft a tackle and start converting uh, one of our current tackles to guards. Probably not Charles Cross. 
No, Shark Croc would be worse at guard than he is at tackle. That would be a bad I'm gonna, idea. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say it's it's not gonna be Charles Cross. It's gonna be on the other side. But the, but yes, the um, the, this tackle the guard conversion thing is a real thing that the the Rams did quite a bit. So here we go. We're gonna go pretty fast. We'll start with Peter Skronsky. Uh, Peter Skronsky uh, played tackle in college. Uh, is listed as tackle on the combine site. Um, came out of high school as a center prospect. Has played some guard, but basically played tackle because he was Northwestern's best offensive lineman by a lot. And after he had player was correct. You could have just said player. That's fine. After, after, (laughs) after the off, after the combine, it's very clear that Peter Skronsky was the, is also the, one of the best athletes they had on the whole team. His athletic testing was out of bounds. Um, wonderful athletic testing, uh, for Peter Skronsky putting up all time numbers, uh, uh, Seahawks draft blog did a good job uh, kind of putting the historical context together uh, for Skronsky's uh, day, but just, just great numbers for him. So Skronsky, I have him as my number one center on my board because I think if we drafted him, that's where we would play him. And I do think like around 10 is when it would start being justifiable. So like a potential trade back candidate, if we trade back from five, Kevin Skronsky for the Seahawks, would you, would you, would you dig that? Yeah, if like Tennessee wants to get the last quarterback and we trade back to was it eleven with Tennessee and Skronsky's sitting there, I'm pick up I'm like down. two firsts, you know, so we have three firsts now and we have Skronsky or we have two firsts and two seconds from them uh to get that. Yeah. I think that's the kind of move that we make. This guy's really good at football. <laughs> I don't I don't know there's a, there's no two bones about it. Uh just a really good football player. Eric, stop me anytime if there's a guy, one of these guys you know, you I, like watch. I have a list, and I'm. Uh, this is more where I just want to learn names because I, I don't know these guys. I don't know how you guys find your pool of these guys. No, for uh, NFL comps, Elijah Vera Tucker, um, who was drafted by the Jets, he played a lot of tackle at USC just because he's really, really good. But he doesn't quite have the length, and if you boot him inside to guard, he just becomes a plus guard immediately. Yeah. All right. Uh, offensive tackle. Also, similar similar thing where this guy might end up going inside. This is a mountain of a man, six foot five, three thirty three, but verted, verted twenty nine inches, broad jump nine foot six, and ran a five second forty yard dash. That's right. It's Darnell Wright. Um, Kevin, who does Darnell Wright remind you of? Because I have a clear com- comparison here. And it Trey is like, Smith. Oh, he dude. He, this is DJ Fluker reborn. Okay. This guy's this guy's huge, but does not move like he's huge. Yeah, I put I put Dion Dawkins or Trey Smith. DJ Fluker works there too. Um, just a mountain of a man. Uh, I I lo- would love him as a tackle to guard conversion. We could pick him as early as twenty, and I don't think it would be absurd. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. that's where I'm at. The first line of my uh, scouting on him is humongous dude that moves way better than his size and build had me expecting. Yeah, and he went to Tennessee. So if you're looking for for video there uh we'll go to ohio state for two in a row here they're both their tackles uh, are probably going to go in the first round we've got paris johnson and dewan jones and just to compare the two they're both really good athletes but dewan jones is the bigger well this is like so hard because they're both this is ridiculous because dewan (laughs) jones is bigger which makes it sound like paris johnson is not big paris johnson's six six 313 yes. he has 36 and 1 8 inch arms and dewan jones that's is the said, big guy that's, that's why i said that's why i said it like that i was like <laughs> dewan jones is is bigger but is is it's like i just think that that's the review of dewan jones what's dewan jones he's bigger six eight three seven bigger than yes 
six eight three seventy five for Dewan Jones. <laughs> I just the thing I'm scared about Dewan Jones is like where does he play on a football field? Um, he plays right tackle. He's Trent Brown, and if you look at him, he moves and works a lot like Trent Brown. I think he's just a really good right tackle. I think Dewan Jones is the guy you take if you really want to kick um, Abe Lucas inside. If you really want to kick Abe Lucas inside, you go Dewan Jones at like two hundred five or one twenty, which whichever one you feel like is more appropriate, and then that's the that's the guy because he he's he's huge and he's really good. Paris Johnson is a really good football player. Um, I think he's the first tackle that goes off the board just because like Ryan Clady is the person that I ended up comping him to. Um, you think he goes a bigger you mobile he, guy? You think he goes ahead of Skaronsky? I think he goes ahead of Skaronsky because he's the easier guy to foresee as a franchise left tackle. He okay. he checks every franchise left tackle box that NFL teams want. Yeah. I mean, he just, he, for me, he, he doesn't play with like the, He's good. He's just good. He's a good football yeah. player, though. I don't. I don't really need to say anything. Broderick Jones is also going to go around the end of the first round. Um, I don't know if Broderick Jones is a uh, is a Seahawks guy, but he's out of Georgia. Um, six foot five, three eleven. A great athletic testing, which is why I think he's definitely still on our board. Yep. <laughs> um, this is the thing: is, is when I went through the athletic testing this year, Kevin, I was just blown away. the The athletic testing this year for these tackles, guards, and centers is. Just on, on such a level that so many guys are going to be on the Seahawks boards because we love our good athletic testing, explosive trenches guys. And there's just a lot of them. Broderick Jones is another one, man. At 311 pounds running a 497 40-yard dash <laughs> and jumping 30 inches. This guy's huge and uh, and can really move. He's inexperienced, and so he – he sometimes doesn't do the right thing, perfect thing, which is why he will he will probably go towards the end of the first round. If he had more time to get seasoned and and start, he probably would have worked his way up towards the top of the draft. But uh, yeah, really good, really good uh, first round prospect. You got any Broderick Jones thoughts that I didn't cover? Uh, you- yeah, just to kind of uh, go on uh, to piggyback off it, it's his technique is still really raw. Like he knows how to play football, but um, like his helmet dips and he puts his like head his, past his toes a little bit too often. And gets his hands off don't go to the right spots either. Like, like yeah, they fire expect. wide. He's like it's a bunch to, of little things. He's going to get tipped over in the pros. Is that what you're There's going to be the first year might be some growing pains with Broderick Jones. Like he, if you draft him and you have to start him immediately, you might expect, you know, a year of 55 rating PFF rating play. And he's going to give up a couple bad sacks that really make you mad. But the development curve is going to be great because he's such yep. a great athlete and he's huge and it's worth the first, it's worth the first round pick. He'd also be absolutely gross as a move the, guard. Like if we think, put him at right guard and had him lead block, that would be disgusting. But also, at, like he's not going to be there at pick twenty. At this point, though, Georgia, Georgia, um, Georgia off our trenches, guys. Though, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe this might start to become the Ohio State quarterback thing uh, all over again with Georgia trenches, guys. Because now that this, if Broderick Jones doesn't turn out and Jalen Carter doesn't turn out, like now it's going to start to become anyway. The top, the top pure guard on the board, not a guy who's not going to be converting from a new positioning guy who played guard in college for most people is Florida's Osiris Torrance, who I think as we've watched him, Kevin, he's worked our way, his way down our boards. Uh, what, what's, uh, what, what do you see when you watch uh, some Osiris Torrance? Yeah, for a time I was comfortable in that uh, round one pick 20, but uh, the more I watch him, first of all, his athletic testing came in as okay. Like yeah, he, he checks boxes. I'm not worried about him, but it's nothing 
like it, it kind of just confirms what I had. He's powerful. Um, he can, he's a people mover, but um, his lateral quickness limits him in a zone scheme, which we run a pretty heavy zone scheme. Um, he has enough movement to hang. He just isn't great there. He has excellent anchor against like power rushers. And so that's the big thing is, you know, like if someone has an interior power rusher, he can just like nullify them. But because his lateral quickness is a little limited, he'll need that kind of center help against some of the really quick inside guys. Like him practicing against Draymond Jones will give him some much needed reps to get better at that. Yeah, I think it's a he's an interesting prospect. Uh, Not a guy, not a guy I would want to get out. Um, I wouldn't even take him at the top of the second round anymore. I think the the four centers that we're going to talk about right here. Um, as second rounders, I would rather have all of them than uh, than Osiris I, Torrance at this point. I agree, but the thing to remember is that's four centers. Are all of them going to go before fifty-one? Whereas, how many good guard prospects are there? A lot that's less. Fair. If if they're trying to get both, then yeah, maybe. But let's go through the centers rapid fire. You just tell me like um, your 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 thoughts on these guys. So these are all the centers people are talking about. Uh, first, the one that people are talking about the most, the one that there's rumors the Seahawks are in love with. They might take him in the first round. John Michael Schmitz. Uh, John Michael Schmitz is so good that Nathan doesn't care that he's 24. Um, I comp him to John Sullivan, who played for the Vikings. Uh, He latches on and wrestles. He doesn't get a ton of push because he needs to learn how to use his uh, upper body lean and his punch better, especially in space. But, like, he just does center stuff really well. Mm -hmm. Um, Just a very, very good football player. Um, And also, all four of these centers, athletic tested, like, out of bounds they're they were all, they were all great so 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 uh yeah john michael schmitz of minnesota steve avila out of out of tcu kevin a uh, guy who has over a thousand snaps at both center and guard which is a uh, really good experience um really versatile in both spots he has great length great size um he reminds me kind of, of uh eric mccoy of the new orleans uh saints um he can lean a little bit too much he has some technique things to work on, but he can do all the stuff that you want a guard or a center to be able to do. I do think he's better at center than guard. Yeah, explosive athlete for sure. Uh, let's go back to Ohio State and uh, meet up meet up with Luke Weipler. Another, you see, if you were not sure if Ohio, why Ohio State was good last year, this this might this might be a some having insight. three top one hundred guys. Uh, <laughs> top one hundred. These guys are probably going to go top fifty. I think. Uh, what Weipler? What do you what do you like about uh, Luke Weipler, Kevin? Uh, Luke Weipler is my lowest of these four, but he's, um, cause he's a little bit smaller, but he has good athleticism. Um, he's really short arms, him and, uh, uh, him and one of the other center prospects we'll talk about have really, really short arms, which is kind of a concern, but, uh, he's a great move blocker. Like if you get him out on the hoof, like in traps and things like that, he is just a pain in the butt and he will pancake a dude and just lay on him. Um, yeah, he's like he's the he might be the best move blocking center in this draft. Uh, here's a guy that we couldn't have drafted when we had Russell Wilson, <laughs> six foot six, Wisconsin's Joe Joe Tipman. Uh, Joe Tipman, what do you think about him? Uh, Joe Tipman has worked his way up my draft board considerably. The more I watch him, the more I like him. Um, he's big, he's athletic, he has good length. Um, his footwork, he needs to clean up a little bit because uh, sometimes he can get crossed up a little bit and then he stands up because normally he plays with a good pad level. But when you're six six, if you start getting too vertical, you get pushed over. And so especially uh, in the middle like that. Mm-hmm. So that's the one thing I think to work on. But he reminds me of Graham Glasgow, 
who's on Denver now. He started out on Detroit. I like him a lot. Um, just a few things to clean up in his technique, but I think he could be like a plus guy. Do you know who he reminds me of? Posage. Posage if he actually just kept him at center. Uh, Posage playing for another team, like because now Posage is good. Yeah, I agree. Yep. Yeah, Posage is top ten center now. That that now that he plays his, his actual position, yeah, which we never played him at because because he was too tall. Russell made Russell Wilson sad, so we tried to play him at tackle instead. I, I'm still salty about it. I, that's a Russell. I'm blaming Russell Wilson for that. Um, that is 100 percent his Get fault. Get in line. Um, so yeah, uh, last tackle, uh, Anton Harrison out of Oklahoma. Athletic, great athletic testing again. Jumped yeah, well. really fluid mover for a huge dude. Mm-hmm. A lot uh, of people say I, that he reminds him of Deion Dawkins, uh, which I which I kind of I kind of dig as a comparison. Okay, I got David Bakhtiari on mine. I think either that's way, fair. you're talking about a guy who is very nimble and moves very well at his size. I think that's what could let him possibly sneak into round one. But if you're drafting him like in the top fifty, um, I, I think if you get him in round two, you probably feel really good about it because this is a guy who can come in and play left tackle. Yep. Can he play? He can play both tackle spots. Um, he can give give you some flexibility in that way. All right. Um, third or later, Seahawks fits. These are all guys who did great in athletic testing, so they're probably somewhere on the Seahawks board. Now that third or later is a pretty wide range, <laughs> which which you'll 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 see in a second when we start going through these guys. Uh, some of these guys are probably closer to the you know round three, which is they're really good. Some of these guys are probably closer to round seven. Which means they are ske- very sketchy in some some way, uh, but 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 we'll go through them quick. So uh, Andrew Voorhees, um, go. Uh, Andrew Voorhees would be uh, probably in a round two or three discussion if he didn't uh, tear his ACL at the combine. He's a little older at twenty four, but he's just a really powerful guard. Yeah, good, really good football player. Probably would have been in the round two group if he wasn't actively injured. Anthony Bradford. Uh, Anthony Bradford is, uh, before athletic testing, he was a UDFA after athletic testing. We're wondering what the heck was going on at LSU. Uh, Jovan Gwynn, who I will say, um, if this guy, this is mine. Uh, if he s- learns to snap and play center, he can, uh, he can, he's good enough at football to make it, but he has to be center. Uh, he played guard, but he's too small to play guard in the NFL. This is a, this is, this could be the second coming of Austin Blythe <laughs> and, and you can get him around six or seven. That's, that's maybe the, maybe how I would make it sound more. That's palat- a solid value for that Make guy. it more, sound more palatable. Uh, Olu, Olu, Watimi, Olu, Watimi. Uh, Olu, Watimi is a uh, very out of Michigan. He's, he played for Michigan this year. He was a starting center for Virginia for like three years. Um, tons of experience. He's like a start right away guy. He scheme versatile to gap an inside zone. Um, his lateral movement isn't ideal, but like, I don't know, man. He reminds me of Ben Jones for Tennessee. I like him. You want to talk about big athletes, Kevin Blake Freeland tackle out of BYU. Yes. Big athlete, not big offensive tackle because um, this dude is going to get mowed over by anybody with speed to power or anything like he, like his athletic testing was disgusting though. Like I'm thinking yeah. if we want to just what? draft a guy to play power forward, I don't understand. Like, like this guy's six foot eight. He did. He killed every drill uh, at six foot eight. I, I just like he's six said, eight three oh two. He does. He does. You know, he reminds me of. He's so skinny. St- Stone Forsyth. You know, like, who he reminds me of he, uh, good, Steve good, Burkowski. Good, good, good <laughs> pass. Burkowski? Good pass Frank pro. Burkowski, thank you. He moves fluidly. He's always in good positions, but he like 
doesn't have he's not killing anyone the same he's way he's not strong enough <laughs> the same way stone forsyth never just like put anyone in the dirt this guy just never puts anyone in the dirt uh and that makes him a project that will probably fall and maybe we could get him uh, late in the draft as a good value uh john Gaines the second okay i put him on here he's a guard from ucla he was not awesome in college when you watch <laughs> He always is in the right spot, but he struggles to like actually finish the play. Like he's like he's like a struggles to finish, but he put up a 733 cone at 300 plus pounds. So this guy's definitely on the board for the Seahawks. The question is where uh is it it's probably down the board Priority quite, quite away. I I don't know, man. I, I don't think you 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 test like that and you don't end up getting drafted somewhere. This is kind of like the guard equivalent of uh, of Tariq Woolen, where the technique has a long way to go, but the athletic testing is so crazy that like his his guard combine rank was in athleticism score was first. This guy this guy can move. He can really move. All right, Ricky Stromberg, center out of Arkansas. Oh man, I really like Ricky Stromberg a lot. Uh, he's gets really. Um, he, there's wide variance in where draft guys have him. And I think it's because when you watch his tape, you're like, oh, he's not doing that right. Oh, he's not doing that right. And then you're like, wait a minute. He's blocking a first round defensive lineman and winning the block with like incorrect technique. Um, okay. So he's like, he's really scheme versatile. He's really well tested. Um, his technique is really raw for how long he's been playing. Uh, he just. Like I think he's like a day one starter that just gets better over time. You want to talk about like a woolen kind of prospect? Like that's this guy for me. Uh, a uh, guy who I think is going to be a great tackle to guard conversion. Uh, it's Jalen Duncan out of Maryland. Kevin, when you watch him, what you what you see? Uh, I think I could see a guard tackle conversion. I could also see him just like you don't see him for two or three seasons, and then he pops up as a starting left tackle. Um, he is really light. Uh, his hand technique is terrible. He fires wide on his punch and doesn't have any power behind it. Um, power rushers get to his chest a lot and put him on skates. And then all of a sudden against a really high level, like uh defensive end, he'll block them perfectly and win the block. And it's like, what the heck? It feels like he barely touches guys sometimes. Like it, it bothers. Yeah. It's like he can mirror them, but then doesn't know what to do after he mirrors them. I don't know. So he's, he's, frustrating to watch actually all right eastern michigan's city sow this is a uh, athleticism plus plus guy uh at, tested out of bounds at 65 323 um but he played at eastern michigan and uh he still made a lot of mistakes so yep. that's that basically sums him up for me is like this is a project of the highest degree but a potentially interesting one because like i said before the athletic testing in this draft is crazy so if this guy can improve his fundamentals i mean this guy this guy's the limit uh matthew bergeron another guard uh matthew bergeron's a guy who's gonna go probably in the third round um he's a tackle guard conversion he played right tackle and left tackle for syracuse he kind of reminds me of james carpenter uh ex seahawk and uh atlanta falcon um his athletic testing is good his length is good um, he has some finish as a run blocker, but he's more positional um, than a people mover uh, than I like. But like his pass blocking movement and technique is lacking. And it's 
like when he has to get like wide or out in space, he's not quite as good. So that's why I think a guard conversion will cover a lot of his problems. Um, I think he's one of those people where maybe the first year you don't see him hit the field very much. And then he shows up and fights for a battle and wins a job in like training camp for his second year. Nice. Uh, Nick's out. I'm going to continue my campaign uh, to use all our sixth and seventh round picks on players that went to Old Dominion with uh, with Nick Saldaveri, uh strong athletic tester guard. Um, my biggest problem with him is that he's he really could play in a good zone blocking scene, gets out in space and works, but he doesn't hit hard enough when he gets to the to his spot and really just needs to play with a little more urgency. Uh, Jordan McFadden guard, Kevin. Uh, Jordan McFadden, uh, I don't have a lot to say on him. I think that he doesn't have the right measurables to play any position in an NFL offensive line. Uh, him and Cody Mock in different ways are stuck in that. I don't know where they play in the NFL. Yeah, um, they both athletic tested above average, really good athletic testing. But yeah, Jordan McFadden, I don't know what happens to him when he gets to the NFL. And he didn't play good He's enough. He's small for a guard. I don't know if like, and you can't just assume guys can play center. Like that's not a position everybody can convert yeah, to. Not everyone can snap for sure. Um, okay. McClendon Curtis. McClendon Curtis is a small school guy. He's out of UT Chattanooga, um, which uh, that dude uh, strange that new England took in the mm-hmm. first round and surprised everyone last year. It's from the same school. And that coach says that McClendon Curtis is the best talent that he's ever coached on the offensive line. I think he's a developmental right guard. He is a straight-up mauler in the run game. Um, he kind of reminds me of Jermaine Effetti uh, as far as like the physical tools. And Jermaine Effetti, it, the ceiling of a player like that is like a Mike Ayupati, which if you get him before he's washed up and his back is ruined, is a really, really good, especially run-blocking right guard. Seahawk legend Mike Ayupati. That's one. Man, I, I, I had really high hopes for, for Mike Ayupati. And then last... But certainly not least, Braden Braden Daniels out of Utah. Uh, Braden Daniels, if you want a guy who played every position on the offensive line, that's this guy. Um, he's a little underweight, but he's uh, 6'4". He has 33-inch arms. His athletic testing is really, really good. Um, he a just little, needs to a add little, bulk. A little underweight. This guy probably was drinking water for like a week straight, trying to get as big as possible, and he only got to 294. Uh, but that being said, his hands are really good. He, he is played good. left tackle for Utah against good competition. Like, I just think that uh, in an NFL weight room, um, he kind of has a we're floor. Not, we're not a good as, fit for that. <laughs> kind of has a floor as like a swing tackle or swing guard. Like he can back up every position on the offensive line. And I could see him developing into a really good guard at the NFL level, like a left guard. I think he's I think he's a good football player. I just don't know where he how he how he makes it at such a slight weight. He's gonna like uh, I w- I would say like can he catch the ball because we could do like a like a blocking tight end conversion. For, uh, for sorry, that is what we are doing with Blake Freeland. <laughs> All right, that's true. Blake Freeland, man. I I don't know. It's just it's such a weird. And then if you go, Blake Freeland you, can catch, then I'm wondering why we wouldn't have him over Colby Parkinson. That's you go you go to Blake Freeland's. Uh, you go to his page for any of like the draft scouting stuff and he's wearing like a suit and he just looks like such a goober. <laughs> like it's like, it's it, hard. It's hard to it imagine this guy that, playing NFL uh, football. What's the guy's name? Bradley, the center that played for the Washington bullets. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, and totally. he looks like Michael Bradley. Was that it? Yes. Um, 
And he looks like that where he's just like all knees and elbows in this. It looks like it looks like the world's tallest kid borrowed their even taller dad suit. <laughs> All right, there are many ways to support the Seahawks Nest podcast. The best way to do so is over to patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest. And for as little as $1.24 a month, join the Discord, be a part of the conversation, uh, hear us talk about these guys all through the week because that we're posting our thoughts always when we watch these guys in the Discord. So uh, thank you to those who support the show. Emmanuel, Andy, Brett, Cooper, do it all for the Tucci, Evan, Flocktimus, Gavin, Greta, James, Jost, Joshua, Lucas, Rad Dad, Nikki C., Ryan, Timothy, Astro, Blake, Washington Fish Question on YouTube. Check them out. Bob, Casey, Daniel, David, Foles, Jay, Michelle, Mike, Mike, Richard, Thomas, Warwolf, Brandon, and Nick. Thank you guys for supporting the show. Um, we're at 67 patrons now. Uh, we gained two but lost three, I think. So now we dipped We dipped under the magic number, though. So check um, your credit card information because you probably who, just defaulted. don't. Who cares? Uh, okay. <laughs> I care a little because it, because now apparently the service we use to record this podcast is going to start costing money. So maybe maybe I should maybe I should get more serious about about it. I need an, I need to pull in an extra what what is it one hundred and fifty four dollars a year or something to to break even on this thing. But okay, here we go. Um, we're gonna in honor of the upcoming Mario Brothers movie, which I have said. This is my son's godfather because he, I do not know a bigger Mario fan. And uh, every time a new trailer comes out, this kid is just over the moon about it. April 5th, we're like three weeks away. Super Mario Brothers movie coming to a theater near you with Chris Pratt doing a terrible Brooklyn accent. And uh, <laughs> Seth, and now Seth Rogen's laugh is Donkey Kong's laugh in canon. So you just have to live with that. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Sorry, Mario fans. Uh, other than that, though. Uh, that's very exciting. We might get another video game movie that isn't total garbage. And so we're going to do it. We're going to figure out our favorite five, fave five video game movies. This is tough. And I'll say this move things that don't count. Okay. It has to be a video game first that became a movie. So things like ready player one, even though that might actually make it into this fave five. That's how grim this is. Uh, that doesn't count free guy. Even though that's a movie like kind of about video games, Gamer starring Gerard Butler. <laughs> How dare you, Eric? Eric, I know you're thinking about Gamer. Well, right now, I gotta redo my list. I know you're thinking about. I know you were thinking about Gamer. Are and you also, saying the Wizard is out? Are you saying the has, Wizard is out? Wizard is out. It has to be video game. It has to be about a video game, so not a board game. So Jumanji is out. Although Jumanji is based on a book. Not a video game, not even a board game. Uh, what but, about 1983's War Games? Uh, all right. Uh, so, technically, what about the last? What about the what about the last Starfighter, Kevin? Uh, I I would say that the game Starfighter came out after. So no. Nope. That the is there is there a game based on the last Starfighter? I don't even know. Well, all right. No. Anyway, Wreck It Ralph not happening. No, not happening. Okay, that is that is a that is a movie that has video games, but is not a video game movie. It has to have come from a Tron too. No. Not Tron. Tron was first, then the video game. So okay, so movies based on video games. Kevin, start us off. What's your? What are you putting in? We all get to. We got to get to enshrine one into the Fave Five. What are you enshrining into our Fave Five right all off right. the bat? So I feel like there are only two or three like movies that we put would probably all agree are good movies, and so, so steal uh, this Get has to be a movie that I like because it is fun. Um. Because it's Fave 5, not Best 5. So I pick 1994's 
Double Dragon. Oh, that movie, that movie sucks. But okay. uh, this, I, I, I'm so excited to hear Kevin on this. Um, I'm ready. I'm ready, Kevin. I'm ready to hear about why you love uh, Mark DeCascos Mark in this movie. Um, so uh, they play uh, Jimmy and Billy Lee, um, him and Scott Wolf, uh, which uh, only I mean, one of them can actually the, do fighting scenes. That's my favorite the, part of that. What's the best part of the movie, though? Let's uh, Robert Patrick let's, is the bad guy. Yes. And then and Alyssa Milano. Oh, uh, yeah. I was waiting. And Alyssa Milano, <laughs> Alyssa Milano in that movie. <laughs> so and that's the thing. It has Robert Patrick like, OK. So it was either this or Street Fighter um, because Street Fighter, because Raul Julia just acting his butt off in a terrible movie. So is a treasure. Here's the thing. Um, this is Between Robert those... Patrick legitimately playing a good bad guy in a movie that around it is completely and utterly ridiculous. This is the his movie... follow up to T2, by the way. The movie's really funny. Not on purpose. Um Although there are there are a lot of puns in this movie, so I guess they are trying to be I funny think it on purpose. It kind of is on purpose. Um, the special effects are among the worst I've ever seen in a film. So bad. Um, but it is entertaining. I'm not gonna get. I'm not gonna give you that. Robert it's Patrick. And it's 89 minutes. Here's the thing: is the difference between and I would have gone the other way and gone if I was gonna pick between this and Street Fighter because Raul Julia is doing like a serious role turn and like that monologue he does to Chun Li where he's like. That was just Wednesday for Bison, you know. It's like like yeah. a like an like an all time great. The day that Bison came to your to your village for me. <laughs> it was a Tuesday. Yeah, and it's like it's like actually like really intense and good. Whereas like Robert Patrick is hamming it up in this movie. He's doing a he's definitely doing a thing in a in a way that is very good. Don't get me wrong, but he is like it is. He's it comic is, book villain, yeah. It is hamtastic. I also uh, like that Vanna White plays Vanna White in this. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> the uh, the reason like, why I picked Double Dragon like is because movies, all of the not Raul Julia parts of Street Fighter are bone unwatchable Pretty and much. not even fun. Whereas the Double Dragon, all of the parts are fun and watchable, just not good. Yeah, if you like watching like a movie that's like so bad it's good, Double Dragon is a great, actually a great call. It's fun. It is fun, and you'll laugh the whole time, even if at the, the end reveal you're, like, of, you're like two out of five. Yes, the reveal of uh, a Bobo at the end. Bo a Bobo. Bo yes. a Bobo. Yes, I'm sorry. Like so, so, uh, so the moment we were waiting for as kids, and then somehow didn't deliver. But still. <laughs> Here's the thing about the movies like this. Okay, why don't movies like this e- exist anymore? Like this movie's just goofy and fun. It obviously didn't cost very much money to make, or if they did spend it, I don't know where they spent the money. Um, Alyssa but like, Milano. all right, counter. Was she, was she I believe famous? it does exist. Red Notice. No, but Red Notice isn't even fun. <laughs> like that's, that's the thing true. is like it's these. But this it's mo- trying to be. This movie is is fun. Like that's the thing <laughs> I think that's like missing from from films like this is like the movies movies like this okay they cost 7.8 million dollars to make like where's the like really stupid cheap fun movie like this that's actually fun like are, are we really down to velocipaster that's like what we have to go down to yes. to find this movie yeah, much about it which is like that movie costs like eight dollars to make it's got to be an indie movie <laughs> that no one's seen and gets traction that's or it's got to really be a big for. budget movie that just misses the mark all right, Eric, enshrine, enshrine another movie into our into our Fave 5 here. Real quick trivia thing about Double Dragon. Did you know that uh, Mark DeCasco's great uncle was the guy who created Iron Chef? Oh, it's, he's, the, he's, the, he's the guy that eats the bites the... That bites, bites the, the pepper. Bites pepper, the yeah. yellow yeah, I, I, I actually did know that. No, Mark DeCasco... Is that true? That's, that's no, not it's true. not true because... Well, uh, I've heard well, that before, I feel like. Well, no, because... Is that the joke you've made to me before? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
So Mark McCaskos <laughs> hosts Iron Chef America. And before he did, I don't know if he's still, this show like 10 years old. He's like, in the words of my great uncle. And, <laughs> and the, the, old, okay, yeah. the old guy yeah. from the original Iron Chef, I thought was literally a weird dude with a ton of money who created an Iron Chef game. No, he's like... He's, he's like a, a he's like a famed loved actor in Japan. So uh, there you go. You just fell for I, it twice. I, I, Double I will Dragon. Love, I will back. love Mark Dacascos forever for everything he's doing in John Wick Three. Yes. Like, yes. Holy, holy. Oh, fact that they're like, you know what? We can't afford much because we're paying Keanu a lot, and we want to keep these movies uh, to a tight budget. Let's bring Mark Dacascos, and he's just gonna oh, rock the house. He is just so funny in that movie, and it's he's so good. Yeah, he's great. Um, yeah, and he can legitimately do the martial arts scenes. Portland State's finest, dude. Mark DeCascos. All right. Um, Eric, what are you putting in the Hall of Fame here in the, in the Fave Five Best Video Game Movies of All Time? So we want to we wanna put in movies that probably won't get in on the top five. But now, since Kevin put his love, his loved movie in, I have to go with a movie that I, the more I think about it, I loved. I, I keep saying I really liked it. But guys, I was just blown away by this movie. And it might get in on the other three, or in our final two choices. But it might not, and if it doesn't, I'm going to be just, just, I'm going to be shook. So I'm putting in Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, yeah. All right. Now, Sonic's Sonic the Hedgehog delightful. isn't bad. One or, one or two? Uh, I haven't seen two. Oh, I think two I actually is, might like two better. I feel like two is lazier. So Okay. Which is saying something. Two there made me laugh. Two made me laugh harder, though. Like but the, it's the, like the st- just dad jokes the movie. But it's so it's stupid. Good, though. So I'll, I'll watch two. But number one has the has the honor of being the first movie. It also, they had to redo the CGI on Sonic because the, the image leaked <laughs> so and there were, people were them. like, this is awful. And they actually fixed it. It's also a return to form of Drew, of Drew Carey, dear Lord, Jim Carrey, <laughs> of Jim Carrey being like iconic 90s Jim Carrey, just where you hand him an outline of a script and you say, hey, Jim, I need you to be yourself, please. Yeah, Sonic the Hedgehog did a great job of proving that uh, Jim Carrey was not the problem with that Batman movie. Yeah, it's just it's just all around great. Sonic is he's he's the glue of the movie. He doesn't really need to be the he's the plot and he's the glue, but he's certainly not the star. Uh, I feel like Jim Carrey is the star. Uh, the guy who played Cyclops, James Marsden, Jim Mar Jimson, eh, James Marsden. Thank yeah. you. It's more or less the same person. Uh, he's just a guy in the movie. Everyone's just a a person in the movie except Sonic and then of course Jim Carrey as a uh, Dr. Robotnik and um I just love this movie it's so the way he's just like so uh, the way that Jim Carrey is like such a jerk to everyone is yeah. very great, good and great pop, um, great popcorn movie it's just yep. a great popcorn movie for sure uh, well the scene that summarizes it is when he falls out of the uh window of like the giant building and when he hits the ground his bag of coins spills all over the place and you're like Oh man, they really did just do that, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, it's just super right. enjoyable movie that really made me laugh and made me go, you know what? I I really enjoyed that movie. I don't care what anyone thinks. Um, there's a couple of different ways I could go here. Um, I just want to say that first, the Warcraft movie is not as bad as everyone makes it out to be. Um, I will say it does ask you to know a little bit about Warcraft before you've seen it, which sucks. It's a stupid thing. I to heard do. good things if, about it or decent if, things. I just don't think anyone saw it. Um, it's well, it made four hundred and fifty million dollars, so people definitely saw it. Well, then um, shut up, Eric. <laughs> but, but yeah, it it didn't make a lot of money in America. It made most of its money overseas, and and I just think 
I think the movie is is solid though, and I did think about putting it in as my choice because it's um, much maligned, um, but I, I think undeservedly so. I think it's just a pretty average movie, which is actually really great for this list. <laughs> but but uh, I I'm going to put the first legitimately good movie into this list. I guess I'll do it um, since I think I'm the only person who's seen this movie, and I do think that once everyone else sees it, they'll like it as well. And that's Werewolves Within. Uh, werewolves within is based on like a vr game uh so it's not like a like a suit i don't know i don't know if it was like co-produced like if they did it at the same time um but ubisoft motion pictures is the producer like they definitely put the game and thing it's a whodunit uh the cast has really good chemistry um and the it's like um it's funny it's funny and also very like um, you get like happy Edgar Wright vibes from it. So it's a, it's a good movie. I recommend it. I'm not going to spoil anything about it. Cause I don't think hardly anyone saw this movie. It's box office was $991,898. I just saw it cause it was on a streaming service. <laughs> so which I'm looking got, up now. Uh, uh, Josh Rubin, um, who's kind of doing like, uh, like some indie, like small scale directing work for uh, horror movies, um, who's also an actor who's been kind of some similar things. So that's kind of cool. Uh, it's, it's got not... a lot of people where you're like, oh, that was the, the one that was in that one movie I saw. Like, you'll probably be doing that a lot from the looks of it, looking at this mm-hmm. cast. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it, I think it's on like IFC Plus or something, which is a streaming service my sister has that no one in the world has. Um, so, so then if, if you don't have that, though, you can rent it for like $5 or whatever on Apple TV. So anyway... Uh, okay, we got to pick two uh, movies. I think there's one shoe in that we're all going to say we're good with. Detective Pikachu. That's a that's a slam dunk, correct? I think yep, very enjoyable. Is. I mean, it's it's good and it's enjoyable. I thought that movie was legitimately funny. Um, it had Bill Nye with a great build, villain turn, great actor. It also yep. pulled like uh, the making a villain turn. Uh, just good overall acting. I there. I hope they want to make another one, but that there's been like starts and stops with that. I do think that it would be fun to have another. The appearance of all Pikachu the Pokemons, movie. which I'm not a Pokemon guy, but um, just seeing them in live action, live action ish, I, I I I thought it was cool. I don't know. I'll say it. It was enjoyable. All right, Kevin, you went you went on Detective Pikachu as one of our movies. Oh, Kevin, your mic your microphone is muted. This is gonna this is staying in. Now. This is... <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, maybe he can't hear. I don't us. think he can hear us. So, all right, then uh, Detective Pikachu's in. Kevin, Kevin is a uh, is is not. Is back. Oh, you're back. Uh, yeah, Detective Pikachu. It does the detective stuff well enough, which is fun. And then, did you guys pick the other movie? Because I have one nope. to suggest. Nope, nope. I, I, you're just your mic was muted, and I didn't. I don't know. I was like Nathan was uh, trying to freeze you out of picking one of the last two. No, 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 no. I just thought this is the movie. We, <laughs> this is the movie we would all agree on. We would all be like, okay, yes, Detective Pikachu. That movie is good. Um, yeah, it's also fun. The way they incorporated Pokemon, so it's like kind of a living part of the world was cool. I think they could have taken the premise farther. Like, uh, the, the whole thing is, who framed Roger Rabbiting it, I thought was like a great move. And they needed to like go even further, I agree. Correct. That, that's what would take it from like a, like a good movie to a great movie for me. But it's good. It's a good movie. It's very enjoyable. All right, last one. This is, the one where, this is where we argue. You guys ready? Here we go. Kevin, what's your suggestion? Uh, I'm putting forward the Uncharted movie because it is just a really like 
very watchable adventure movie. All right. It's if a little too long. That's if we're doing watchable adventure movie, Alicia Vikander's Tomb Raider is way better than Uncharted. I knew that was going to be your choice. Like, I know that. I know that. Like, um, I haven't seen it, so I'm willing to just uh, take your word on that because. Okay. You want me to sell it to you? Yep. Go Wal- for it. Walton Goggins is the rival archaeologist. Okay. That's a big plus. <laughs> like, I'll just say that. Like, that is like. Like Walton Goggins rules, but the but it's just a it's a really solid take on Tomb Raider. Like I don't I don't understand. It's 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 average. It's just better than Uncharted to me. It, Eric, what do you think? Do you seen both movies as well? I've seen parts of the new Tomb Raider. I have not watched it all the way through. Um, I my problem with Tomb Raider was casting. I, I'm sorry, with Uncharted was the casting. It yes, it's just, I agree. I felt like Mark Wahlberg was too old to play Nathan Drake and too young to play Sully. And they just like wanted to have Mark Wahlberg in the movie so bad. And they and like, wanted to have Tom Holland in the movie so bad because he is too young and too Tom Hollandy to be Nathan Drake. It just didn't It's like work a little kid in the movie. Yeah. I mean, it just felt like the scenes in that movie, they're like, hey, we're going to recreate the video game scene. It's like, yeah, but it's not as good. Yes, it's like it was worse than playing the video game for me, and that bothered me. Like it's like the video game felt more cinematic and hit harder than the thing. And we know that that these people, Sony Pictures and stuff, can do a good video game adaptation because we all watched it now with The Last of Us. Well, I've watched it at least. I don't know if you guys, Kevin. I know you don't watch prestige television. Uh, Eric, are you watching it? No, it's uh, on my list. But I don't. Again, I didn't play the game. I I was I was playing the game, and then uh, Brett needed his copy of the game back, so I, I never finished it. All right. Well, uh, I, can, I, can, I can help you with that. I have two. Sucked me after the podcast. I have two movies that I uh, that I want to oh, just put forward. Okay, here we go. Possible, and you guys can laugh them out of the room all you want. Because no, um, none of these movies mentioned so far are good. Yeah. So, so this <laughs> this movie is totally fine, and it's okay. not. It's basically just a uh, a piece of cake that you don't remember. Like, uh-huh. yeah, it was all right, but I don't remember it all that much. And that's Prince of Persia. I think prince of persia is mildly un- underrated as like that's a, the best thing you can uh, say about it a solid adventure movie which is kind of so far yep. so far we're just putting forward like hey this is a solid ser- service adventure movie. serviceable adventure movie and prince of persia what if the time, national treasure wasn't as good and what yeah that wasn't that's the genre that we are nailing right guys now. If, guys how about we relaunch the prince of persia movies uh like this cage yeah we re- relaunched the the games with a movie and it's like a, it's like National Treasure, but it's not fun. It's not funny, and it's just kind of serious. It's not in a cage. Yeah, it's not in a cage. <laughs> it's just fine. It's it's like the best <laughs> vanilla ice cream you've ever had. But okay, not can I put good. in a movie that is not uh, like the uh, Lost, not as good uh, prequel to? Because uh, uh, so far, Treasure? so far yeah. we've put in four. These four movies are all kind of the same. Well, I want to hear Kevin's, but then Warcraft, I got one I'm going to put forward that I think uncharted. might win. So Kevin, uh, go okay. ahead. So I wish I'll you guys- put that shouldn't win it, and that is, uh, what if instead of a not as good uh, national treasure, we had a not as good best of the best of the best, and we did 1995's Mortal Kombat. That movie is is something that else. Movie is way more fun than good. You've got a fatality or it's two. Way more fun. You've than You've got a friendship, uh, friendship ending that works with a uh, Johnny Cage autographing a picture. You have Christopher Lambert acting like a weirdo. You have Christopher Lambert acting as himself in a uh, conical (laughs) hat because he doesn't change his voice. Um, So so for me, like the thing is that that movie is just it. It looks 
so bad. It does. Like, it if horrible. you go back and watch it, like you, you might remember from a kid. You don't like, have oh. to go back and watch it. It looked bad then. <laughs> like in 1990, it looked like crap. And now when you watch it, it like <laughs> looks really bad. bad. Like yes. you're like, whoa, this is not good. What about the first 15 minutes of the new Mortal Kombat that the movie then never delivers on? Oh, yeah. Thought, Can we just you thought that, it was going to be a good movie? That first 15 that minutes, first 15 as a short? minutes <laughs> is like, oh my gosh, they did it. And then they, they're like, nah, they made I was a sweet Mortal Kombat movie. Yeah. Are, Sorry, I just had to bring those both up because uh, I wanted to bring them up. I think all, it's a, all the, those, all the Resident Evil movies fall into the same category as the old Mortal Kombat <laughs> 2, where it's just like, this movie is objectively terrible, but also like, at least the Resident Evil movies look good. And we covered that with uh, uh, now a uh, double dragon of movies that are objectively bad, but kind of fun. So that's yeah. that's what I'm going to bring around here is we got to find a winner. We're, we're drawn uh, to time here. Guys, we've skirted around this. We've skirted around this all day. Mario Brothers 1993. Street Fighter. No, not Street Fighter. Why no not? We, well, we, it is because the dumbest everything movie. Everything that is not Raul Julia is terrible and, in but, that movie. But when you watch it, you laugh so hard. You laugh at it. You can't stop thinking about how bad it is, but you're still watching it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna come in from the top rope with the with the with the Angry Ooh, Birds movies. All right. Oh, okay. All right. The, especially the second one. The Angry Birds movies are not that bad. They're entertaining kids movies. They're. I would not recommend anyone who listens to this podcast watch them. But but like. But if your kid if wants your to watch kid them, wants to watch, watch them, it with your kid. They're they're like perfectly solid. <laughs> All right, I'm I'm gonna move my vote to uh, the Tomb Raider movie so that we can end this conversation. Okay, I'll, All I right. like it. Tomb Raider, Tomb, Tomb Raider with Alicia Vikander, which New I think I think if you guys watch it, you'll you'll enjoy it. Okay, so that's it. Phase five: Werewolves Within, uh, Double Dragon, uh, Alicia Vikander, Tomb Raider, Detective Pikachu, and Sonic the Hedgehog. If you have a video game movie, if you really love the Monster Hunter movie and you want to tell us all about it, um, I'll never watch it, but I would love to hear your review on the Discord. Thanks for. Thanks for listening. I will see you next week for Kevin. For Eric, go Hawks.